Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Hello, Hello, Matt Weber on the board, not Matt Byrne, Matt Weber, S&P futures up 21, NASDAQ futures up uh, 59 as we're trying to, uh, actually the Junes are up 62 as we're trying to uh, uh, get, get back some of the carnage from the last few days, even though the queues were up yesterday. Um, very strange, but obviously all kinds of problems going through the banking industry, we've been talking about it for two or three days, and we have a special guest uh, uh, this morning, we have Dan Janitas on, uh, with to help us out, Brendan is on vacation, and unfortunately, Dan is uh, just the right guy to talk about what the hell's going on. Uh, Brent, I was going to say, Brendan, Dan, what, what, what the hell, bleep? It, there's a lot going on right now. I mean, it, it, and, it, and it's, it's changing so rapidly. If we, if we go back to last week, I think we were kind of all on board with the fact that uh, Powell's speeches were um, just sort of throwing uh, fuel on the fire um, in terms of knowing that there was going to be some additional up to 50 basis point increases um, expected to tame inflation because the numbers we were seeing were continuing to come out uh, stronger than anticipated and, and clearly showing that we had inflation. So as a result, we, we, saw, we saw short-term interest rates rise a ridiculous amount, and in fact, the most that they have since 08, um, going up as high as 5.30 on the sixth month, um, that was the highest level that we've seen in, in 15 years, um, and then the news of um, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, and you know some of the lending practices to, say, VCs and crypto companies and also, more importantly, the way the money was being handled with purchasing long-dated treasuries, and as we all know, um, and as maybe all of us don't know, but long-dated treasuries have interest rate risk. So you, they are not risk-free. Um, T-bills, which are one year and less, maturities of one year and less that are issued by the government, are risk-free. In fact, they have a definition of risk-free rates and they have been paying the highest yield, and we have been promoting them and suggesting that the listeners um, have an allocation there because they're getting a pretty good return at five plus percent for virtually no risk. Well, when, when SVB, the announcement came that the bank was down because they couldn't cover um, these uh, long-dated treasuries that had fallen in price, 
what may have been perceived, and more abstract securities, by the way, which may have been perceived as relatively risk-less investments, finding out sort of the hard way, and I'm not quite sure why, that the money that they had put, or the money that they had invested, was invested in a way that actually exposed them to significant interest rate risk, and with rates going up, prices go down. So it has opened a door that has had a number of different opinions, and I would say that my opinion is that this is a somewhat one-off situation, in that you have a regional bank that was, you know, all banks don't have the same lending practices, all banks do not have the same investment processes, and, you know, this would have been a much better time to have stayed at the short end of the curve. So apparently they weren't listening to this call, because they were investing much longer, and that has caused problems, because when money came due, or when the depositors were looking for their money, it just wasn't there. So it seemed very extreme to me that the bank had gotten this far, but then when I look at their customer base, being based in the Silicon Valley where they are located, and looking at the IT firms, and IT startups, and looking at crypto, and a lot of other areas that I would consider, you know, higher on the risk spectrum, in terms of potential people to lend to, that really is what got, you know, I think differentiates them, say, from the average bank someplace in the Midwest or the East Coast. So there's a concern, because there has already been a little bit of contagion with some of the other regionals who have invested in a similar pattern, and it's amazing how quickly the outlook has changed for what the Fed is going to do at this point. I mean, I heard initially all the Fed's work is done, because rates have suddenly dropped. I mean, we saw this precipitous drop in the two-year, you know, coming down 60 basis points, coming down practically from 5% down to 4% in a matter of, you know, a day and a half. And honestly, if you held the two-year T-bill at that point, the two-year Treasury note, I should say, at that point, you would have made money, but that's a very odd way to make money. So I think some of it has to do with just really understanding what's considered risky. Some of it has to do with understanding what, you know, fixed income 101, a class in basic bonds, and understanding that longer-dated bonds do have interest rate risk, and you can lose money. And also understanding that you have to really be, you know, you really have to have both eyes open in this economic environment, that we are in a risk-off trade. We are in a contractionary economic environment. We are in a rising interest rate environment. We are in an environment where we're trying to get inflation down, and none of these things are going to encourage not only the way SVP was lending to their customers, but also the way they were investing. They had two issues. They always have issues. It's one thing to say, correctly, by the way, 
that you know you and I, I actually one is a very technical question one is a question what you just said it's one thing for you and I you will you in this area more than me to say I mean we both know that you have huge risk and interest rate risk on anything long dated okay we we get that so I think that you have been articulate now for however many months and years you've been on the show and I think we have dodged uh, certainly the people that we've sent to you we have dodged this bullet okay and we said look now but the, but the fact is hundreds of billions of dollars were sold in 10 to 30 year bonds between 2019 and I'll well, say six months ago last last November when the Fed started running the rates up so the crap is out there. I mean, every, I mean, Rick Santelli, every week when there's a 30-year bond auction, the dude's talking about it was two and three times subscribed. So I mean, it's not, even though, you know, you and I were able to, you know, guide our people around this mess to a certain extent, to, to, to a great extent, I'd say. Yes. Uh, the fact is, the mess is there. I mean, the, I mean, the government was selling this stuff forever. I have to believe that the $8 trillion on the Fed balance sheet, if they had to sell it today, is more like six. <laughs> or six and a half. I agree with that maybe, as well. Yeah. What do you suppose? I, I don't even want to make it horror to start your morning while you're drinking your coffee. What do you suppose the central bank in Europe balance sheet looks like? I mean, the fact is, this 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 crap is there, and it's going to be there for it's going to be there for let's say a decade before it yeah. starts to get. Now, the question is, what do you do with it? I mean, now, but on a procedural end of it. You and I know. I mean, uh, Dan does most of his work, I think, through IB, and 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 PTI does a lot through IB, and we also do stuff at RBC. So we have two clearing arrangements, and we know that if if Matty Weber's grandpa came in, and we bought him a uh, a ten year or God help us a thirty year bond uh, two years ago, that that bond instead of the hundred points he paid for it is going to be sitting there at what eighty five, eighty maybe. Maybe maybe less than that. Maybe maybe seventy eight. We know that's going to happen. It's going to be right in Maddie's grandpa's face and saying, "Who are these two idiots? <laughs> you know, they bought me this bond. Looks like I'm down dough." Now my question is, if I'm a bank or I'm a or I'm a insurance company, a, I mean a big one, not a little one. Where exactly do these bonds sit? Do, do, does, does somebody, does the board or somebody get the sheet to say, "Hey, we're down thirty percent," or do they just? They seem like they're 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 shocked. I I, I mean, how is I, mean, they, they, I must have read ten articles. People sent it to me. Oh, last week they they took this loss. Dan, you and I know the loss has been there for six months. It's been sitting right in front of you. It's been there for a while. Yeah, so I mean, I, 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 I these guys can't be dumb enough to not know that it's already down. I mean, I, I mean, how, how does it? Even, I mean, procedurally, how does it work? Where do, where does a bank or a huge insurance company keep? The bond is it? Does it show up on their sheets like you're you and my, you're in mind for our people? It must yeah, from someone. It should be, and it should be reviewed fairly frequently. I mean, we review it daily. Yeah. Um, but you know, even if they reviewed it weekly or monthly, they should still know. And and I think it's the, you know the the the, um, the press was was sort of stressing risk management, and really risk management is keeping an eye on on your investments and knowing what the risk is when you make these investments. So in other words, knowing like, like you and I would that buying a longer dated treasury has interest rate risk, has the risk of losing principal over a period of time. So a 30 year bond has the, the risk of losing more. 
And the, and the situation is we're not doing what we call asset liability matching where we're saying, okay, we have a 10-year liability, we're going to match it with a 10-year asset and just let it sit there at the shield. In between, the, you know, within that 10 years, we're going to need, some of that money might, might need to um, be taken out, you know, and, and you're selling something at a loss that should, you know, that's considered, you know, AAA rated, it, it seems pretty extreme, but it's a hard lesson to learn, um, and it's actually a lesson that you hopefully would have learned prior to taking a position where you had that type of authority. So, it, you know, to me it's the equivalent of having bought, um, you know, some, some riskier equities um, because you know there's volatility involved and, um, you, you know, you can't manage, it's very difficult to manage that volatility when it's very clear that the Fed, the Fed is on a, on a track to continue to raise interest rates. Well, isn't so it becomes wasn't this very interesting circle, if you will, where the Fed is raising rates and then it's impacting the banks because of lack of oversight or, or lack of, of whatever management style, if you will, is, is more where I see it. And then it sort of comes back and then ones up getting stuck having to, quote, well, not bail them out, but, but fix the situation. So it's... They're kind of things that should have been thought about a while ago. Well, wasn't the um, wasn't this thing how this whole thing came to a head when they realized that they took a two and a half billion dollar hit on the on the portfolio from the the government and then tried to raise capital to cover it and couldn't. Yes. 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 So they said, okay, we're, we know we're down two and a half billion. We need to go get two and a half billion. And that's when everybody said, not today. Right. <laughs> But, yeah, but, and that money might have been there if it was in shorter dated, you know, if it had been in shorter dated T bills, or if it, you know, if it had been. There, there are, you know, in your strategy or my strategy, there, 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 are, there are ways that you can manage money, but um, you have to know what the risks are. You have to know anytime we make an investment, we have to know what the worst downside is. But, but I guess I, I can't. I'm, tr- I'm trying to sort of emphasize a little bit here, Dan. Is 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 every is everybody everybody we know. Okay, the, the clients that you know are around, we, we can handle. The, I'm going to having said that, who knows? Maybe maybe some massive insurance company will call us up, and we'll have to hire people. But I mean, but you and I can handle that at our at our end. It's sort of like uh, I don't know what the example would be. I mean, you know, ev- everybody can av- can avoid drinking water. I mean, you and I can say don't drink water out of the tap, but the entire population can't avoid pre- drinking water out of the tap. I mean. Somebody somewhere is buying this stuff. I mean, you and I will say, okay, stick to six months, a year max, and our people will, A, listen to us. But the federal government is pouring out billions and billions of dollars all the way down yeah. the pipe. I mean, if you and I ran, I'm going to say, if we ran an uh, insurance company that has covenants that says you have to have a laddered approach or you have to, yeah. or a pension fund, you and I would be absolutely holding our nose, probably drinking martinis, but we're buying it, Right. right. Because that is right. Because that's the the choice, and because you have to stay in the highest quality. So um, whether it be even if you were to go into say mortgage backs that are long dated or corporates investment grade corporates that were long dated, you still that that has traditionally been the way that you're able to provide the yield. Um, but I think there has been a misconception that 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 comes without risk, and you know, and unless your time horizon is truly that long, which I mean, it's very, that part of it's very difficult to manage, you know, knowing that that's, especially when you're lending to 
um, startup companies and VC and, and crypto. I mean, that that's a world that does not have the same time horizon than, say, you know, industrial corporation might have, um, or or you know, a real estate company might have. It's it's a much shorter time perspective, or potentially much shorter time perspective for potential, you know, I don't want to say defaults, but, but, but you know, refinancing that might be necessary at some point. What, uh, just as a, as a, a wacky example, not wacky, a real-life example of how crazy this can get, when I started in the business, and the long-term rates were, uh, I think, well, you, you could get, what, a 15 and a half or so you got in a short-term CD, right, Dan? And I think the... Uh, yes. But I think the long, the most the long term rate got was maybe when I say the long term, thirty year bond was one at the time, not the ten year. I'm going to say that got to twelve and a half, thirteen. I don't think it ever. Yeah. But I, but what I think what uh, is is important to understand is the the bond that was traded. Now of course there's a gazillion bonds, right? Uh, uh, they all have different factors. You can put in ninety nine nine of this one, and you have to pay, you got to deliver one hundred and one one of that one. I used to get all these sheets. Well, the actual bond that was traded was an eight and a half percent thirty-year bond. That was when you, when you say I'm trading the bonds, the board of trade. You were trading, unbeknownst to you, you were trading that bond. So it was eight and a half percent was the coupon, and I think the low tick Dan was sixty-six. That's what gets you to the twelve and a half. So if if the coupon is eight and a half, is what we're talking about here, and everybody really should know this, even though it's not easy to understand. If the market rate is twelve, that bond is going to be a third less than 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 the hundred points you think it's going to be, and a third yes. less puts you where sixty six. Duh, right? I mean, I mean, that's the math. Now, my question is how how much money do you think we're going to find out that the Fed poured in the system the last two days? I mean, these these bonds didn't go flying flying uh, flying down here because or uh, uh, is be on their own, right? I mean, money had to come in from someplace. Probably, probably more than we ever would have imagined. Yeah. My answer is that I think there prob- this is there's been some um, lack of oversight or some lack of risk management um, that has allowed this to happen. And some pla- somebody someplace keeps thinking, well, eventually, you know, we didn't anticipate rates going up this much. We didn't anticipate taking this kind of loss, and then. And when you have the news that we had in the past, in the and the sentiment that we had in the past few weeks, where it just looked like rates were going to keep going higher and higher indefinitely, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, I think that's when when there was someone paying attention. And then then when then when you have the companies that are actually needing some of this capital and they're saying, hey, it just isn't here, you know, we we don't have it yet. Um, come back in ten years. <laughs> that's that's where the I think that's where. It, comes to a, um, a a position of, uh, of, of you know danger, if you will, or, or concern. And yes, I think there's no choice, or at least listening to the you know the, the call. It sounds like you know, even though they didn't use the word bailout, it seems as if the banks are going to get what they need to stay afloat, and that could be a substantial amount of money. Yeah, no, they're so. I'm so tired of. of uh these people lying to me. I mean, they come out and say there isn't going to be a any taxpayer bailout. Okay, they're going to bail them out through the FDIC, which is going to be down to absolutely nothing. So to build, so to build the FDIC back up again, it means that they're going to raise the rates on the FDIC insurance all the way through the system, which means they're going to come right to the taxpayer. I'm going to say that everybody who has a deposit in the bank is a taxpayer. 
So for them to say the taxpayers aren't going to pay for it is such a load of crap. I mean, it, it's enough to aggravate me to say, just say. And, you know, and that's why I've told, you know, you know, a lot of people have asked the question, you know, where do you put your money now? And I said, you know, T-bills aren't a bad place. Like six-month T-bills in, in an investment account are not a bad place to have if you want to have your emergency cash and then, you know, spend the, the other portion of it on, um, you know, well-researched, um, you know, well-researched uh, both, you know, stocks and bonds, but but keeping part of it liquid and certainly not keeping it all in the bank right now is is a is a I think a good strategy. You have to stay up. You have to be diversified. Uh, we got to dash here pretty quick, then. But I have one question: that obviously these banks are bound are really bouncing back today. I've got the uh, KR, KRE is up three bucks, and some of the individual ones are up twenty percent. Um, I. I, for one, I mean, I, I think that they got beat up too bad. Too much, right? Uh, but all, but the idea of a of a bank run, other than in the movie, I never even dreamed of it. Yet. I mean, I never I never seen like this. This could happen. Yeah. To, this could happen to any bank if everybody showed Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Now, what I mean, going forward, <clears throat> what is it? What is it? What's in the back of your mind on the system itself? I don't think I'm ever going to think look at it the same way. I would agree. I think that there's a, you know, that lack of oversight or the concern about the oversight or the concern, frankly, about the people managing it and the level of experience and the, um, you know, the level of risk management. When we went through such a long period of time where risk management was the way things were done, um, it does it does take away some of your, you know, I think it, they lose some credibility in this environment and it also does uh, make, you know, I think make the um, average... Uh, consumer, you know, look for other alternatives. So I don't think, I think maybe this situation gets wrapped up and fixed up and, and you know, we forgot it even happened a week, a week from now, but I still think what's going to be left behind are potential customers looking for alternative ways or alternative investments. And, you know, I mentioned T-bills or I mentioned, you know, the other, other investments that might give them a little more comfort, um, at least in the near Well, the we got a dash. I hope it doesn't mean we got to give all our money to Jamie Dimon because I, I think he was, <laughs> I think he was part of this. SP futures up twenty seven. Nasdaq futures up eighty six. We're trying to bounce back here today. We'll be right back. Stocks and ducks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, and we're back. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom up 24. As if futures up 78 as we're trying to bounce back here from a few days. Actually, the mixed market yesterday, we did come back. We were up and down all over the place. We actually almost forgotten is the CPIs today, so we won't be forgotten at 7.30. Uh, so we'll see what comes out with that. We're expecting 0.4% on a month. A little, little cooler than last month. We'll see what we get. Uh, as, you know, you never know. Uh, Dow futures are up 215 over in Europe. We've got the DAX up 117.8%. FTSE down 2, call that flat. CAC around up 38.5, so muted to the upside. They were down heavy yesterday morning. They came back a little bit as the day wore on. Uh, over in Asia, Nikkei down 610. That's over 2%. Hang Seng down 448. That's over 2%, 19247 on that one. Uh, I don't know why they'd be flying down here today, but they are. Shanghai's down 23.7%, so uh, we're definitely to the red over there. Yesterday, like I said, it was a, was a mixed day. Dow was down 90, S&P down 6, NASDAQ up 49. Uh, bonds, the uh, rates are, 10-year rates up 10 basis points today, 3.61. Again, a long way from 4, but, but up, up from the 3.4 something it was yesterday. Going up eight basis points, 2.36. Japan, after reporting 0.50 like forever, is down to 0.28. So that's a big drop for those guys. We've got oil down a buck 53.73.27. Oil's taking a real dump here through this, through this last four days. Rent down a dollar 35.79.42. Natural gas unchanged 2.59. We've got gold, which had a huge run up yesterday, down eight bucks today, but still over 1900.1908. Silver down 18 cents, 21.74. Copper down a penny, 403. This has been interesting. Crypto, Bitcoin's been up like 2,000. So it's up another 455 today, 24,775. I never thought I'd see that being a flight to quality here, but evidently some people think it is. 
And we have the U.S. dollar pretty much unchanged there, 107 on the euro and 121 on the pound. So the dollar has been getting very strong, and now it's come back to being where it was really a few weeks ago. So up and down there. Betty, what do you have for us, Travis Weather Sports? Dup Bears, all of a sudden, are you playing for them now? Uh, not yet, they're, but they're throwing money around. 6.38 uh, uh, here uh, Central Time this morning. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a couple of issues to report. On the Stevenson southbound, just before uh, Illinois 53, which is exit 267 down in Bolingbrook, there's apparently a really bad pothole situation that has the two right lanes blocked, and it looks like they're expected to be blocked and closed through the afternoon. So that's causing major issues on the outbound Stevenson uh, to the southwest of us. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah, expect solid delays uh, down there in the Bolingbrook area on I-55. No issues on the inbound side. Eisenhower looking okay. Same for the Edens and Kennedy. We do have another uh, crash on the exit ramp of the Tri-State, I-294 northbound right at I-290. That's involving a semi-truck. Southside expressways are all quiet. Weather today, another uh, cold day, but at least we'll have some sunshine today, unlike the last few days. Uh, sunny with a high of 34. Right now it's clear and 22 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 82 today. The Red Hat Bulls are off. Why don't we just add uh, two or three more playing games to this 11 spot? That seems where most of the the problem with people on the bubble, the Rutgers is in the public. That's probably where they all belong. Why don't we just add like three more games and everybody be happy? They could. And what's the difference? You got two of them. You might as well have four, right? Plans there? I mean, I, do, do 100. Well, I'm just saying there, it seems like it's it's the people that are the somewhere between the 40th and 45th best team in the country that are the ones that kind of get screwed and everybody says well gee they're certainly one of the best 64 what's the difference we got two playing games there might as well be four what's the difference Joel how many more uh, playing games would you need for your Michigan guys to get in uh, maybe four or five I think that uh, <laughs> the fact that Rutgers didn't get in I think man we were we were far away I don't even I think we would have had to beat Purdue, perhaps, to uh, get in. Very, very disappointing season. Uh, I can't find anybody to go to the NIT game with me tonight, so I'm going to watch it at home. Absolutely no interest. Um, just a, not a good season. Uh, I think there's a couple ways you can look at it. One way you can look at it is they were just, you know, devastated. Those two losses to Indiana and Illinois, they were absolutely, you know, exasperated. You know, a very young team 
you know, the, the, if you want to take the flip side of it, they have a very young team. They had one senior from Juwan's first, well, his first year here, but the only senior was a transfer from uh, from Duke, Joey Baker. So one of the youngest teams in the country. You can chalk it up to inexperience, but, you know, after you made six straight sweet 16s, you know, uh, two, you know, two final fours, two final games, you know, you, you can't be uh, – you, you can't be a pig, so it's a down year. We'll see what Juwan does next year, but overall, very, very disappointing. Well, season. the first time ever a preseason <clears throat> number one didn't make the tournament, right, North Carolina? Yeah, very weird year. Um, I think that I'm just I, – I think my heart's going to be with Purdue. Uh, you know, that Zach Eady and, you know, you know, be a Big Ten fan and stick with the Big Ten, so – it's so it's so convoluted. I mean, Kansas, you know, they lost to Texas twice in the last week, um, but they're still number one seed. You know, UCLA had one of their star players hurt. It's just uh, it's, it's wide open, Chief. It's, why, uh, why do you think a team like Marquette, well, I've, you know, I watch because my neighbor and buddy is an alumnus. Those guys have an incredibly young team, and they got better every week, all year. Coaching, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it does something with uh, with Juwan. Uh, the biggest disappointment of the season had to be Jet Howard. Um, just did not show any any level of improvement. He needs to get in the weight room. Uh, you know, I'm no basketball aficionado, but man, you you got to go to the hoop sometime. You got to establish some kind of inside game. I know Hunter's down there, but you know, just I see him driving into the lane. Drive right back out, boom. There's two guys, you know, that gives him uh, time to double team a uh, hunter and just drive it in addition to the basket. I, like I said, maybe there's going to be some shakeups in the coaching staff, uh, but very, very, very disappointing season, as you can tell by my. I don't, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell from the outside looking in. I mean, the two examples this year are my Notre Dame squad. I won't hesitate to call them mine. They said that they had six upperclassmen at the end of the game. They all took Ubers in different directions, right? Uh, you know, as opposed to this Marquette team, where it looks to me like everybody's bought in. About eight or nine people play. They all hustle. They, they press the whole game. They make it very difficult on the other team. Nobody seems to care who scores. Is is that just the character of the people that you that you recruit? That they're all they're already that way. Or is it the coach changing people? I, I don't know if you can change people. You know, uh, you know I, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess my question is: is is it is, is it getting the right people beforehand, or or do you get a bunch of people that don't like any don't like each other, and all of a sudden the coach makes them like? I mean, I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I've never been on a team like uh, a team at that level, but some teams like they're really all in, and some teams aren't. I mean, I I don't know if it's always coaching or not. I mean, it used to be in the old days where it was the coach was my way or the highway. I think it maybe made the coach made some different, but these guys are together all year. I mean, in, together in the summer. Are they did, does Marquette have a lot of transfers? No. Okay, so there you go. You, you just answered your own question, Chief. It's the fabric of the team. I think you bring these transfers in. You know, they're there for one year. Where's their affiliation? You know, where you know are they there to go to the NBA? You know, going back to the Michigan thing, they did they did have some they had a transfer point guard that they were going to heavily rely on uh, towards ACL. But I think it, you know it takes a while to you know to build a relationship. If you 
you know, if you come in in the same class with somebody, you know, sometimes these kids recruit other kids. Like yeah, they're, yeah. they're buddies and they're on AAU teams. So uh, that that's the way I look at it. So you're going to be back to be to football school now? Uh, I got tickets for both, Chief. I, was, I told Lisa that, you know, we'll stick with the hoop tickets next year. Uh, it was it was rough. It was rough. They make a lot of those, like, 9 o'clock games. They actually had a, a game against Purdue that I don't think the thing tipped off until, like, 9.30. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Kevin's got... I mean, it's, it's, it's um, I, you know, I, I'm a Michigan man. Through and through, so they make it I, hard to they make it hard to be a fan. Kevin had a few of those. He goes, I don't feel like going over at nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's you know a forty minute drive is no big deal. But you know, they're it's on a school night. I got to get up early and talk to set you know stocks and jocks and yeah, you know the markets. All right, real, real quick on the, on the market, are, are we going to forget this bank thing six months yes, from now, or is this going to yes, yes. Think so? Yeah, I think so. I, I I put my money where my mouth was yesterday, and uh, I'm going to take them off my screen because I want I, I would be selling them today if it was in any other different you know account than a long term account. Uh, I think it's pretty. You know, the people that I talked to that have dealt with that bank, it looks like it was kind of bank specific. Now, you know, whether that's the case or not, we don't know. Uh, they took down the other bank, so. I don't know. Interesting week in the markets. Uh, I thought the market held up well yesterday. It's holding up well today. But, you know, we'll see what happens with that CPI number. I think you have a forced pivot here with the Fed. Um, and we, we started saying this Wednesday night. You know, not just yeah. today. And Nomura analyst comes out. You wrote, you re- took rates up so fast. Now, you know, maybe some banks adjusted, some didn't. But, you know, they were trying to squeeze out, you know, a half a percentage point on their deposits and buying, you know, uh, buying bonds. I mean, you know, you, you get what you pay for. So hopefully, um, you know, the Fed's doing the right thing. They're going to stop. I don't want them to start taking rates down. I just think we need stability in the, in the interest rates. No, it's, like, it's, it's too late. There's too, there's too much stuff out there at 1%. Still? Well, I mean, it's, it's how many... We had two and a half years of everything going out there at one percent. It's it's in every it's it's not in ours, but and, and none of the people that I deal with or, or Dan deals with. But it's it's everywhere. Every insurance company, every bank, everybody's got to have this stuff. The Fed, what do you suppose, do you suppose the Fed balance sheet would be if they had to sell it? Yeah, it's it's um it's 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 a precarious situation, and uh, just you know, just print more money, chief. Well, that's know, that's know. always. But just I want to print it though. I want to be the I want to be the, want per, be the I want to be the trickler, not the trickle e. All right. Take uh, care, bud. Yep. Go blue. We'll talk next week. SP Features Up 31, NASDAQ Features Up 91. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Saxon Jack. I'm Tom Brown. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 20. I'm so busy saying down the last few days. Up 20 and NASDAQ Futures up 82. So we're pushing in the right direction here this morning. We've got uh, rallies in Europe. We've got some big sell-off in Asia. So everybody's had kind of a different timing mechanism here. It's this last few days has, has been really uh, something I honestly never thought I'd see. And uh, now we have the CPI coming out today, which is uh, um, we'll see how that how that breaks. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit muted, so if the Fed was pouring money in or decided to go 25 basis points or decided to go, uh, uh, you know, maybe even none, I think probably nobody would be all that shocked. Uh, So it's a, you know, see how that that all plays out as to whether these guys are going to, you know, whether we, whoever, uh, I won't say orchestrated this, but this this has happened. It's It's a run that seems to have come from, a few people, and I think there's certainly questions about whether or not it was allowed to go on longer than it should have, because I think I, I certainly have of the view, and uh, <coughs> there's not a bank on earth, I don't think, that can handle people showing up, taking out more than, I'm going to say 8% is the number. I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't see how banks have anything more than 8 or 10% that's liquid. doesn't mean they don't have your money, they have the equity, but just like I said in the movie, it's in Matt Weber's house. It's in Matt Matt Burns' house. That's what, your money isn't in the vault. That's what that's what banking is all about. I mean, I I, I question sometimes as we uh, as we you know walk through the show day by day, and we and these are things I think that people should somewhat know about. I mean, I I think that most people when they had the the, the you know the local savings and loan, the Evergreen Evergreen Savings and Loan, or Oak Lawn Savings and Loan, or whatever. I think most people realize that when you brought your money in and you got your passbook and you got your th- you got your three and a quarter percent or whatever it was, and when you went in and got your mortgage and you got the mortgage for six, that there was a, a there was a a circuity there that when when people paid their mortgage payment, you got your interest payment, and I think most people had the had the brains to realize that just like George Bailey, 
building and loan or whatever it was that everybody couldn't show up and take all their money out of their passbook on one day. Now, the, the purpose of the Fed is if there were to happen someplace, they are, are like the banker of last resort. They can lend cash because, in theory, you're not, you're not dropping anything, okay? If somebody borrows from the Fed and pays out the cash, okay, you, you should be able to do that. Now, that your capital is going to have a problem, uh, but, by, but you shouldn't have a cash problem because then you should be able to shift it to another bank or somebody with more capital. But the idea of having a bank run, I, in essentially not, you know, not a Depression-era type of thing, just out of the blue, I, Manny, what do you think? I, 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 I think it's just stunning. I, I, mean, I, I, never even, I never even conceive of such a like that. People think I'm this big conspiracy theorist. <laughs> the thought of having a bank run someplace, where, and, and, and the idea that somehow or another, Forty billion dollars came out in a couple hours before somebody put a stop to it. I, you know, I, I guess I don't know what exactly you should or would have done, but certainly eyeballs had to be going up all over the place saying what's going on here. And maybe you, you put a hundred thousand dollar cap for a couple hours or whatever, whatever it is. There needs to, somebody. If it happens again tomorrow, what's the procedure going to be? Yeah, I thought sort of like what uh, the president said yesterday morning. Um, that, there needed to be somebody to come out and say, like, you know, with a, a, a calm sort of level of assurance, like, hey, don't a bank run is not going to is not a solution for everything. You're going to get your money. You're going to have it. It's going to be available, you know, whatever, within 30 days or whatever. Like, don't I mean, you can't everyone can't come and withdraw to, at, at the same time. Um, but that that announcement didn't seem to happen. No, I mean, I I don't even I, you know, it's. As you know, uh, you know I know people at different levels of the Fed, and I, I guarantee you, at the working at the working stiffs level, they caught this instantly. And, and, and I'm sure the people, the California regulators, did too, and I'm sure the bank did. I mean, Kevin worked for banks. He was talking yesterday about bells had to be going off at 9:01, right? I mean, I mean, there's no yeah. way you can hide it. I mean, the, I mean the, the wire transfers are flying all over the place. Now, what what the uh, mechanism is to restrict that or something? I would think that there has to be some sort of what if situation. If there isn't, what do these people do all day, man? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of being. If you're in the CDC, what happens if if some germ shows up that we don't know, <laughs> we've never seen before? Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to be planning for stuff like that. What was everybody? You know, I keep saying working from home is almost like a joke. But what are they? Are they so worried about policy? So worried about their next raise? And I mean, all this stuff just happens, and all of a sudden, there's never anybody home. It seems is there? I mean, I, or am I just being too critical? No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I mean, what, what, what tomorrow now? And then you hear, you know, through the conspiracy stuff that, of course, people send me that this Peter Thiel guy told everybody to go get their money out. Oh, well, he's fairly instru- very instrumental, and that maybe Jamie Dimon said something about. You know, we should bring your money over here to some people. I don't know that he did or he didn't, but the, I mean, the, of course, the, the conspiracy lines are all over the place. I mean, why did everybody decide? And, and these are these are people that are are way above the food chain. I mean, we're not talking about when I, when I heard eighty eighty seven and a half percent of the money is not insured. What that means is eighty seven and a half percent of the money is over the two hundred fifty thousand dollar limit. So we're not talking about Maddie, you and me. No, these are big VCs and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, these people must realize if if, if they got a half a half a what they used to say of the brain of an ant, if that uh, 
I mean, if they must know that if if they pull out, you know, two billion dollars or something of cash from a place, what what that's going to do to the people coming after them at that bank? I mean, that that's just not a. I mean, it, we're not some places. I mean, I, I don't think anybody is that big. But what, what do you suppose? I mean, who's the biggest company now? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not General Motors anymore. But what do you suppose the General Motors payroll is on a Friday, twice a month? I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be huge. But it's not ten billion. I mean, it's. I mean, but so the, so that kind of money is anticipated, where it comes in and Kenny, where how are you, bud? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm sorry I missed the link. I apologize. I don't know how I missed it. No problem. We'll keep you over a little bit if you can, and then. Uh, well, uh, Hal will understand. We we actually bring him in because we're doing pretty good on this uh, Zoom once, once we get the hang of it. Because we had two people on yesterday, and it was amazingly clear. Way better than the phones ever were. How uh, great is that? Yeah. So I mean, we're but the uh, let's just say it's not as easy as just calling in. We'll, we'll, we'll get the hang of it. But I like the fact that everybody. So you're you you're the man. You the man, uh, as as they say. And what was it? Major League. You the man. You or not Major League? Bull Durham. Uh, what, what what the hell is going on? How do how, how conspiratorial are you on this bank run? How, what caused this? I, I, I got to tell you, I'm starting to become a little bit more skeptical of what happened last week, how all the VCs started screaming fire in this crowded theater. They all, you know, they all created this hysteria, and then they walked away you know, from the bank on Friday. Then the Fed comes out and backstops everybody, and now this morning, then yesterday we have this sell-off. But this morning, interestingly enough, we hear that the Fed, you know, is going to put Silicon Valley Bank up for sale again. And guess who's thinking about buying it? All the VCs that created the hysteria from last week, they're all talking amongst themselves about should we buy pieces? Should we buy maybe the whole thing? What's it look like? We really want to work with them. I'm sitting there scratching my head going, are you kidding me? Where, where were all you guys on Friday when the panic was, when you guys were hitting the panic button? Uh, so I'm a little bit more skeptical. You know, Billy Ackman... P.D. Thiel suddenly becoming very, very um, uh, talkative, right? Before, during, and after, telling everybody to get out, light the place on fire, and now they're all coming together going, oh, maybe we should buy this bank. Uh, um, know, are some of, these people, some of these people getting a little, a little too big and a little too immoral for themselves? Yes, uh, and it's starting to stink a little bit. So i, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm, uh, uh, it's frustrating, so I want to see how it turns out. But that being said... Um, you know, I, I think define it as you want, and you can feel about it as you want. I, I don't think we, as a nation, uh, had a had a choice other than to do what they did. I think otherwise, yesterday would have been a complete, complete disaster. I mean, it was tough on the regional banks anyway. But look, that like you and I always talk about, the chaos does create opportunity. Some of those banks got so arbitrarily dislocated that today they're sitting out there going quick buy me buy me buy me because they're so dislocated now they're all quoted up 10 to 30 percent in the pre-market this morning probably a lot of them are going to bounce right back right yeah i was trying to uh i was looking at a bunch of them last night and i we get a load of this kenny we did a spread on the uh just a, a calendar in the uh kre it's the the, the bank yep. index yep. the thing we, we put it out for, like, I don't know how we got it, 20 cents. I mean, that, it's a ridiculous price. I mean, we should have paid 25 or 30. The thing was $9 against us, and I got out for 28 yesterday because <laughs> the volatility went up so much. Now they're, like, 60, you know, every, any kind of spread yeah. to be long in there. So I don't have anything. But I was looking I was looking at PNC. I was looking at Key last night. We had orders in everywhere, and we never – all of a sudden, I, then you couldn't get filled. But 
it's it's starting to to really bug me that the people who you and I know that uh, you know there's a lot of times there's more money made in the in the, the, the falling of society than the building of one. But you don't want the same people doing the falling as is is gaining by it. And I I kind of had it with these people, the Ackermans of the world. I mean, I I don't know what I mean. I'm not saying. And it should no, bad should happen to them, but I've kind of had it with them. I mean, I they think they're bigger than life, and you know what? Nobody well, yeah. is. I, I, well, listen. Here's the problem. I do agree with you because uh, I've kind of had it with them too. Because remember the whole you know the whole story during COVID. He gets on CNBC and he cries and he ah my my father. I don't want to kill my father. All that stuff. And, and then he and then as as the world was collapsing, he's just buying it up because then you know weeks later you realize. Uh, you know, they published how much money he actually made on the drama that he created. So, yeah. yes, I agree. But I also agree that I think the VCs have gotten way, way, way too big. But look, that's a direct fault of the Fed holding rates at zero for so long, pumping the place full of cash. That money had to go somewhere. It had to find a home. It had to find search for yield. Yield became risk, right? Because the only way you're going to yeah. uh, really, uh, you have to do it, right? Risk in risk, there is return. So I blame a lot of this uh, again. I blame a lot of it on uh, on the on the Fed, on the policy of the Fed holding holding them wait the rates way too long. And then you know once again, COVID hit, and then the government shuts us all down. And then they pump everybody with money. They ignite inflation. They tell us not to worry about it. They continue to stimulate even as inflation is 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 is, is uh, surging. No, no, no. We got it. We got it. We got it. Well, in fact, they don't have it. And now they raise rates, which, by the way, didn't happen overnight. So let's let's talk about how "quote unquote" Silver, uh, Silver, uh, Silicon Valley Bank was surprised. How could you be surprised? We talked about it for a year before we did it. We talked about it the whole year they were doing it. The yield curve got inverted a year ago. Everybody knew it. So I don't know what was going on in Silicon Valley Bank. Clearly, they were all asleep at the wheel, including the California regulator. Um, so, Kenny, I'm going to say the goal here. I'm going to say that the difference is. They're at a level where they can be asleep. I mean, we listen to the first half hour with Dan, Dan Janinas, and Dan, all he does is bonds, right? Not all, he does yep. preferreds and stuff. You and I know, because uh, we've been doing this for a while, everybody who bought a, a, a 10 to 30-year treasury when yep. the Fed had the rates down at God knows what, heaven help you if you bought anything in Europe, uh, that if you had to sell it today, the 30-year is going to be worth 25 to 30% less than you paid for it right now today. Uh- we, we, just, we all know that. Now, the question is, where in society is that vulnerability? Is it in insurance companies? Is it in pension funds? Where We, we hope we don't have to sell it, and we, and we wait it out, okay? Correct. But Most if, of the time, like insurance companies, they just buy it and they hold it, right? Right, but, they, but right now, if an asteroid hits the place and they had to sell it, they're not getting 100% for it. Well, agreed. Yes, agreed. But I, I think in the Silicon Valley Bank, I think they completely mismanaged their customer base to that bond portfolio because their customer base is so flighty, right? They're all startups. They draw on cash. And then we all know for the last year and a half that that, that whole industry has come under pressure. So they're not adding money to the bank. They're actually taking money well, out faster. So the fact that they went and locked themselves in the long-term bond portfolio is mind-boggling to well, me. Well, Kenny, I mean, I, I first of all, <laughs> if you and I are sitting in order martini right now, we we both get it. Yet go go back to the time when you're getting zero on, on your on your T bill. I hear you. Yeah, and I mean, so, somebody somewhere thought it was a good idea to lock in one and a half for ten years. At least we're getting okay. something. Yeah. Okay, that might have been true when they first did it, but as 
rates continued to rise and yep. as the Fed continued to remain aggressive, you would have thought that they would have hedged that position or they would have rolled it over. They would have they would have done something before this, before okay. what they were finally forced to do, you know, through four days ago. I, I, I'm having this. Look, they didn't even have a chief risk officer for seven months. They were without a risk officer for seven months. Then they hired some some lady who's a, who got a yeah. humanities degree. O- over in Europe, right? And, yeah. and you know, checks a number of other boxes, but but you know, she didn't really have any experience in in right. real risk. Well, now, here's the other problem: is that you know, I don't think anyone there, and you and I have talked about this too, right? This in a rising rate environment, there's not many people in the generations below us that have any experience managing money in a rising rate environment because rates were only zero for the last 13 years. They never they never saw the 30-year, 8-and-a-half so right, percent bond trade in 66 <laughs> like you and I did. So I'm not I'm not kicking them in the head. I'm just saying, look, you never experienced it. So oh, all right, it's not but, your fault necessarily, but, you know, you, it, it's, a whole, it's a whole different world. Yes, That's but, the point. Yeah, but the only, the only, I won't even say criticism, but I, had the, I was fighting with Dan... Arguing with Dan an hour ago, and I'm doing the same thing with you. Um, there is no question you are correct, Kenny. But and, and Dan said the same way. Why would anybody buy this crap? I mean, I mean, I get it. None of my people have it. I know none of your people have it. I'm sure uh, Kenny Polkari's granddad. I hope he's still alive. And if you're advising him, he doesn't have a 30-year bond and one and a half percent in his hip pocket. I, I get it. But the fact is, everybody bought this stuff. The, the amount out there, Rick Santelli, every every month would say. The things are double subscribed. I mean, we, you and I and Dan could say we would never have had our clients in there, okay? And, and, and I get that. That's why you, you two guys are bright and you're here sitting with me. But the fact is, how many billions of dollars are out there, right? They're, they're there. I mean, the fact is, for two years, that's all everybody bought, right? Right. What do you, what do you suppose, if you could have a sneak peek, I could see you because you're, you're svelte. You could sneak in the back door. What do you suppose... If you got one look at what the European Central Bank portfolio looks like, how horrified would you be? Uh, I think you'd have to be horrified because there wasn't really much of a, ch- a choice there, right? I mean, they had to do what they had to do. But they, they were they, negative. They were negative. They paid. I, I, they were paid. They were a, <laughs> I mean, we were never negative. I mean, don't, no, no, we weren't. They were. They were in fact negative. They kept it negative for how long were they negative rates in Europe? It was a couple of years. I mean, you imagine they, they paid one hundred and fifty for some bonds. Probably now they're trading seventy. Right, correct. Yeah, correct. But they also have the luxury of being able to just do nothing and keep them on the books and just hold them. And when they mature, they mature, and that's the end of it. Well, we right? hope we hope so. That's oh, what this, right. that, that's what this bank thought too, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, but the difference is the the European Central Bank is a different bank than Silicon Valley. Right? I, you know what? I, boy, oh boy, Kenny, I I think I think you're right. But everybody thinks they're big enough to outweigh it. Not well, everybody is. What well, do you agree? What do you think the What do you think the Fed's balance sheet? Last question, because we got a dash. What do you think the Fed's eight trillion dollar balance sheet would be worth there to sell it tomorrow? Uh, I'm I'm afraid to even guess on that because it would be really ugly. It would I, be really. I, I would say six, and is that being too ch- generous? No, I, you know you're probably in there. Maybe it's a little bit less, but six is probably about right. If they had to sell it, right? Yeah. And anyway, if they had to sell it, who's going to buy it? Well, that's another problem. See, see, you're, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be, Kenny. You're supposed to be bringing bringing answers, not more questions. We got enough questions for God's sake. Anyway, anyway, have a nice week, buddy. As usual, good fun. SP futures up twenty nine. Nasdaq futures up eighty four. Be right back, Professor Hal Snare. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening. Hello, Homer Bank, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom and we're on the board. SP futures up 31, NASDAQ futures up 88. We're going to try and be positive all across the board here today. Uh, we've got a lot of the stocks. I mean, the one I'm looking at here, well, this is an ETF. Uh, KRE is the uh, uh, Spider uh, Regional Banking Index, which has been getting clobbered. It's up uh, three bucks today to 47.74. Uh, it was like 50 mid 50s last week, so it's not all the way back at all. But at least they're turning that way a little bit. Uh, Professor, <clears throat> what uh, what do you make of all this, buddy? I'm just couldn't wait to get you on here. Uh, all your all your money in banking classes now, if you had any. I think you better change uh, all the content. <laughs> Boy, it's been a rough week, huh? Holy shnikes. It feels like the uh, sky is falling. Yeah, are you are you on a Zoom? Week. Yeah, are you are you on the Zoom or are you phoning? What are you doing here? I'm zooming, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you sound you sound good. What uh yeah. what um I mean I I, I other than, like I said, I've said this a hundred times. Other than the movie, I don't think I'd ever, I'd ever thought I'd see a bank run. Yeah. Uh, well, um, there was one of my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, George Bailey's right. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's just unbelievable that uh, this is all happening again. But it's not really that unbelievable because the housing we have a housing bubble that is bigger than it was in two thousand eight. You look at the K. Schiller price index on homes. It went straight up. It accelerated in the last three years, almost vertical, and now it's making an uh, uh, arrowhead. It's coming straight down. So that's going to probably get worse. Um, all the mortgage-backed securities and the long-term treasuries that Silicon Valley Bank had purchased to hedge hedge against all that risk it was taken on uh, is they can't sell it. They're locked in. Why would anybody buy it? At those low coupon rates. Well, you're, you're, you're going to take you're going to take a thirty percent hit. Yeah, exactly. So they yeah. can't really sell that stuff, right? Um, so it's just nuts what's happening. It's just another example of what central banking does. I mean, they pumped up the system with all kinds of money, all kinds of credit. The economy has been juiced. It's it's uh, in, uh, inflated. We think it's economic growth. We think it's prosperity. But it's just a, a wait, massive, wait, 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 wait. massive bubble. When you say we, uh, 
you don't. I'm think talking that, about the. You don't I'm, think that. You don't think about mainstream. I'm talking about the mainstream. Yeah, but you don't think that. I don't think that. I mean, I mean. No, 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 no. But that's what that's what the opinion is, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm not in that that group of economists. Um, so we have we've created this false economy over the last three or four years. Well, last twenty years. Let's let's be real here. Yeah. The Fed just prints all this money, has interest rates near zero. They're negative in real terms. And when the Fed is doing that, it's easy to make money, right? You, you buy some long-term securities. You buy mortgage-backed securities. Uh, you think you're uh, hedging against all that risk you're taking on. And then you finance all these projects, all these little pet projects, all these little political projects, right, that are politically popular at the time. Despite the fact that you know they're not going to earn a 2% real return, right? They're not going to earn 3%. They're not going to earn 4%. Why do you do it? Because interest rates they're borrowing at are zero. Well, so you take on all this debt, you do all these malinvestments, and we don't know they're malinvestments until when? The see, Fed rate uh, hikes rates. See, I, I, uh, the only thing that I have uh, when, when you, uh, as a professor, okay, you're in the ivory tower, Top floor, you know, not just. In the I'm, I'm not. I'm not in. Uh, I'm not in the Ivory Tower, man. I don't got a cushy job at Harvard, man. What do you mean? You're you're in Brooklyn. It's better than Harvard, right? <laughs> just saying. I'm in Brooklyn, man. I got I got blue collar neighbors. I got I got blue collar students, man, and I'm a blue collar kid. Well, I'm just saying you're in, in you're you're a relative uh, Ivory Tower, but when you because when you when you toss these these words around, I, th- I think I, I think our our tower is more of a barn with white stripes. <laughs> red, God. red with white stripes. White, whitewash, not even paint. You can't afford to paint. It's whitewash. We, uh, we have, we have, uh, we have barbed wire around our ivory tower. God, wasn't uh, wasn't whitewash just like, like, like white lead or something? Wasn't it? Yeah. It was like God. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. But uh, well, no, I guess what, what I'm saying is, is, is I, uh, from from your tower standpoint. The interest rates being low, you you made it. You made a statement as if everybody could have got into that loop, and I, and and I think nothing could be further from the truth. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're wrong or you're well, lying. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, projects that wouldn't have been financed had market set rates. But it, but it, it they they get financed. But it, it's at some level. I actually did a uh, a, a shtick from uh, somewhere buried in my notes that I toss out all the time. I took I took from 2008 to 2020. Interest rates went essentially from whatever I'll say normal to zero. The credit card rates, which is where virtually everybody can borrow, actually went up. So when you say uh, some people were able to do this, that's exactly right. Some people. I mean, if if it was the Hallen Chief Plumbing Company, we we couldn't go from four plumbing trucks. To, to ten, at at four percent, we're doing it at eight through a local yeah, bank. Because if, yeah, because we're using credit card debt. Yeah, we're no, using no. I'm saying, the, yeah. in other words, the the, the Fed in there, I mean, to me, they've, they've made several egregious errors in this whole mess for the last twenty years, really. Two thousand, I'll even say, uh, starting with maybe the Y two K poor money and stuff. Uh, I'm going to say that one of the egregious errors is, and this probably isn't an error. Yeah, you know, this is probably damn near on purpose. Or I'm going to say absolutely on purpose. When they say they lowered, the, when you say they lowered the rate, all they did was lower the rate on savings. 
for you and I. They didn't lower oh, the yeah. rate. Of, they didn't lower the rate at all on borrowing for you and I. Yeah. They didn't. Well, I mean, they didn't, if, no. I mean, if you if you actually cared about, I mean, let's, I'll, I'll be the I'll be the student here for a second, and you you call on me, and I'll say, Professor, the reason why you lower rates is so people can can borrow money cheaper, so that they can they can do projects that they wouldn't normally been able to do before. You can do projects at six percent that you couldn't do at twelve. And you you and I know that. Okay, I mean, you knew you better than me, but the fact is. It didn't get to six for everybody. It only got to six for one class of people, and that class of people now owns a boatload more than they ever did back then. So this oh, yeah. this isn't this isn't this overriding. We're going to lower the interest rate stuff for everybody. They were careful to not do it for everybody, whoever the days are. You and I never well, got I think, a lot. I right. think for most people, markets set our rates. For most people, the markets that those rates are set by the amount of risk. Uh, is involved in making those kinds of loans for most people, but the kind of loans that uh, Silicon Valley Bank was making, it wouldn't have made a lot of those loans had market set rates. Well, sure. Or if markets had set rates, they would have made all those questionable, uh, they wouldn't have financed all those questionable projects. And when the Fed raises interest rates, now it reveals how bad those decisions well, they- were because those, those little projects that they financed you know the economy shrinking. We have less disposable income. Uh, yeah, but, those little okay, but hey, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't think those projects. Let's let's split this up. I think into threes here. From what I was reading about their balance sheet, somebody was nice enough to send it to me. The 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 part that's so weird about these guys going under is normally if you and I are, are uh, FDIC inspectors or whatever you want to call the guys regulators. Normally, what happens is. When you say normally, I mean, there's no such thing as normal. But what, normally, what happens is you and I go into Weber Bank, right? Matt Weber Bank. We're going to find out that everything's fine. The cash is there. People coming and going. People writing checks. People getting money. People bringing money in. Everything's going along swimmingly. And all of a sudden, you and I are going to find out that that Webby, uh, you know, lent lent all his money to Thomas for for like a a huge commercial building or, or, or four car washes, and guess what? Thomas isn't paying him. So the loan portfolio goes sour, and we say, well, Matt, you don't have enough capital now for this bank, so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to help you out with some of these loans. You're not going to get squat, but now it's going to become, you know, uh, Kenny Polkary Bank on a Monday morning, and the depositors don't even realize the difference. But that that's usually I'm going to say 99 percent of the time that's why a bank goes under correct that 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 didn't happen here the, the 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 three legs of the stool are these guys had money out to the firms like you're talking about but 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 there isn't there isn't a list of ten of their commercial loans to these people that went sour last week that caused them the problem it doesn't appear there's anything then they had 57 billion dollars worth of uh, mortgage stuff. Okay, probably a lot of them are jumbos because the people who they lent money to, of course, weren't going to buy a house for three hundred thousand. It's going to be three million, right? So that's a jumbo. So they're probably holding that crap, right? And they also had, by the way, a whole bunch of uh, of uh, equity was in U.S. Treasuries and some mortgage-backed security uh, bonds with some maybe their bank or other banks. So it was the it was the the run. And then it was and it was the ter- deterioration on their assets, assets not. Loans, they're other stuff, and I don't. I don't think I've ever seen one like that. Hell, have you? Yeah, it's pretty. 
it's pretty uh, interesting because uh, I mean I think I mean they're I think they're trying to hedge all that risk that they're taking on with the loans that they're making with these mortgage-backed securities and these long-term treasuries. But I mean, if you really think about it, going back to what you talked about with the uh, with the depositor. I mean, the Fed, I think the Fed was started to force people, to create inflation, to force people to stop banking with their piggy bank and put it in an actual bank because what the Fed has done over 100 plus years is turn a, a dollar into a penny. Yeah. So you can't keep your money in cash if you put it in a bank. But now for the last, what, 20, 30 years, the Fed has done what? You might as well keep it in the, it, you might as well keep it in your mattress. Right. Because you're only getting point. Three percent on savings. Yeah, but they don't want you to do that because there, there's not going to be any cash. Yeah, but I mean, so but hell, but a, but a bank. I guess to, to finish my point here, you know, I guess I'll finish it. You can be if 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 the Fed and everybody else knows that the Bank of Hell has one really horse bleep loan on here, and you are technically insolvent if you call the loan. Nobody cares in terms of money coming back and forth all the time, unless. Unless somebody gets a hair up there behind and makes a deposit run, these banks in Japan have been technically insolvent for thirty-five years. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter, well, right? It, to me, to me, banks live in a perpetual state of bankruptcy. Well, but it, but it, but it they, does, they, they it, borrow, it, they they make loans out of checking accounts, they make loans out of savings accounts. So to me, they're bankrupt. And if it wasn't for the FDIC and too big to fail, and the Federal Reserve being the lender of last resort. They would be bankrupt when the economy goes into a tailspin. Well, what I'm trying to do very clumsily here, I'm trying to, to separate, which is, a, which is a big separation in banks, the cash needs versus the equity. There, there can be no equity in terms of the, the Bank of Japan loaned the money to God knows who, uh, Matt Weber, and, and, he, and he lost that loan. It was sitting on the books at $2 billion is worth $0.28. Cents. As long as it doesn't move, it doesn't matter. The, I mean, what I'm saying is, as long as they, because the money, you still go in, you make your deposit, you cash a check, the money comes out. The cash needs, but there isn't a there isn't a solvent bank anywhere, Hal. I don't think, no matter how solvent you are, I don't think any bank could 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 take ten percent of their people drawing their money out tomorrow. It's a totally separate issue in banks. You know, I mean, it, it's 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 complicated. It's, I mean, I don't expect every listener to understand what I'm talking about. But there's a total separation between the cash situation, and these guys were driven down by a cash situation. I've never seen that. Yeah. Have you? I mean, I, I maybe you haven't seen one. I I haven't. Yeah, it, it's it definitely is an interesting uh, scenario because, uh, uh, I mean, only, I mean, what is it? Three percent of their deposits are under two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, so eighty-seven percent is not insured. So eighty-seven yeah, percent is over two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. So when the federal government is going to, I mean, here's a question for you too. The federal government, by law, through the FDIC, can only insure uh, deposits up to 250000 in, in, Are they? The, the term insure is, is weird because I don't yeah. think, you know, there might have been one a few years ago. It's like you can't say no 16 has never beaten a one anymore in the NCAAs. There might have been one a couple of years, a few years ago, but I'm going to say. For something like forty years, Hal, not one depositor ever lost a dime. They'd get the money to they'd get the bank to a but, new bank. But and the two law, years. but the law is that only up to two hundred fifty thousand. So, aren't aren't people who save banks breaking the law? And doesn't Congress have to change the law? I don't think of no. But there's no there's nothing that says you're you're forced to lose if if, yeah. if if it's 
if it's the Hal Bank, okay, and you've got, you're supposed to have, you know, uh, $20, $20 billion in equity, okay, for, for the size of loans and stuff you have. And all of a sudden you, you lose on five of the loans, so, so you, you lose $5 billion of the 20 Okay, now you're undercapitalized, but you've still got plenty of cash. Over a weekend, which is what they usually do here, they close the Hal Bank, and all of a sudden the Matt Weber Bank puts in a bid for $16 billion. The government sends it to them. They recapitalize that piece, and maybe the, the government even takes over one of the really bad loans and says, okay, we'll eat, we'll eat a billion on this loan. Okay, they, ne- they never ducked into the insurance part. So now it's, it's why would it be illegal for everybody yeah. to get their money out? You, you, just, you just created a, a transaction where, where one person who was making widgets can't afford to, to make the widgets anymore, and you get it to a guy who now does, who injects capital into the place. That's, that's all you've done. You're, you, you've, you've never even touched the FDIC piece. Yeah. Right? That's just nuts. I mean, so the, the, well, I don't think it's nuts. I mean, these, I think, I, yeah. I think that, to why, why is that nuts to find a buyer? Well, to me, the government doing all this stuff is the nuts part. I don't think we need regulators. I don't think we need the FDIC. I don't think we need the Fed. In the absence of all this stuff, in the absence of all that, a bank would be run like this. It wouldn't be a, uh, it wouldn't be a place where you park your car and the bank lends your car out, right? That's what we have right now. You, you deposit your money into a bank and then the bank lends your money out. You'd have you'd have to uh, what you do is in a in a free banking system without all this stuff without all these regulations without all this Federal Reserve what you'd have is a bank would you could put you put your money in the bank and then uh, without a backstop without the too big to fail you put your money in the bank and uh, if you wanted to protect it you could uh, put it in there for ten years or twenty years and. If the if the the bank wanted to make a a thirty year mortgage on a million dollars, and they wanted to protect themselves, they would issue time deposits in the amount of one million dollars. And in order to get people to induce people to do that, they would have to raise the rate that they offer until they covered the million dollars. So you you know, in your in your theory, there would be no such thing as a commercial bank. It would be an investment bank. Well, I mean, anybody could be a banker. No, but I'm it saying you. you I mean, right now, I mean, uh, take the savings and loans for instance. Everybody knows that the money you were putting the passbook was going to go out in terms of mortgage. I mean, everybody knew. Oh that. yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not like. I mean, what you're describing is you put your money in a bank, and it's really like a safety deposit box. It never. they, yeah. they can't. It's, it's, it's like if, a Swiss bank. But it's if like they, a Swiss bank. But if they can't use it for anything, then there's no interest because they can't well, earn any money on it. Why would they? How do you well, get paid? Well, they're not interest? getting interest now. They're not getting interest now. So well, yeah. what I'm saying is, if a bank wants to make a million dollar mortgage, they got to raise the time deposit on a on a 30 year uh, CD. They got to raise the time deposit rate enough to cover that 30 year mortgage. And then in that in that system, uh, the mortgage is secured. If, but if if you had a Fed that did their job. And, and kept rates. Well, I don't think they can do. I don't think they can do their job. I, I, Honestly, see, I, I think I, they have I, an impossible job. See, I think. I think they can. If they if they take the policy out of it, I think they can keep uh, risk free rates at two two eighty to three twenty for thirty years. And if they did, everybody'd be a lot better off. Well, I, I I don't think they can because the Fed is populated by people who have their own agendas, their own passions, their politics. You can't take it out of it. Well, so I, don't, if, I think if, it's an impossible job. 
No, I, 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 I believe. Uh, I should go become one of a preacher. I believe. Can I get the, the sound? <laughs> um, I think if you were to take a, uh, a chart, which I'm not very good at, of all the Fed's starts and stops and drop a, a chart of the market, and I'm going to say, I'm going to use a linear regression here and, and, and wait six to eight months, you'll find that every, other than companies just growing and making more money and, and, and getting worth more on their own, which the, which is the American way, right? That's the idea of a market. Other than that, virtually every major up and down you see in the market has been created by the Fed starting and stopping. Oh, I, get, I agree with you 100% because the Fed is the creator of the business cycle. And, right? and, they say, and, and, don't and, fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. Put all your money in. You know, put your money in the stock market when the Fed is being easy. And then when the Fed is raising rates and shrinking the money supply, play it safe. That right there is Austrian business cycle theory. Um, we're going to dash real quick. We'll get back and talk about these CPI numbers. Uh, Spoons are down a little bit, so the numbers might be a little hot. We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single-family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of- 
control. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Mr. Brent Weber on the board. I'm a little bit behind the, behind the time here because I'm looking at these CPI numbers. Basically came out at 0.4 versus 0.4 estimate. SP futures are up 34. Uh, NASDAQ futures are up 96. I'm going to keep this brief because everyone in the rest of the world is still still reacting to this, so we might as well give that in a few minutes. But uh, as, of, as of right now, at the, um, why don't we just... Uh, we're just, they're all over the place, man. So why don't you do real quick on yours? We'll get back go to the individual numbers, and I'll I'll let you know what's going on through uh, on the uh, European part. But this is interesting. The number is 0.4, but the unadjusted number is 0.6. So I don't know how they, I don't know, I don't know who makes these adjustments, but anyway, the unadjusted high. But year over year is 0.6, which is right where we want to be. Of course, the same where everybody thought. So it's kind of a uh, not surprising number to the bad side. So it's right in the middle. So I'd say nothing on the number. What do you got for us, Trevi? Weather sports, real quick. Sure, 34 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, We have uh, a situation on the outbound Stevenson. We talked about the pothole that was there earlier this morning that's going to last throughout the afternoon that's blocking the two right lanes at Illinois 53 in Bolingbrook. Just north of there, also on the outbound side, we now have a crash blocking the two center lanes uh, just before I-355 as you're heading southbound on the Stevenson. Uh, you'll run into a situation that has two vehicles and a semi-truck involved, and it has uh, crews on the scene. So the outbound Stevenson is just completely jammed up from Lamont all the way through Bolingbrook. Uh, so you Would you say you'd be one that. of the guys in your Mercedes that'd be changing the tire? Uh, <laughs> changing the tire? Well, sure, if you, if you hit it in the pothole. Yeah, um, I've changed tires many times. I I've, wouldn't be the first time. Um, but that's a situation you want to avoid. Inbound side traffic building, but no accidents to report. Uh, same for the Edens and Kennedy. Uh, we do have a crash on the Tri-State right at the Eisenhower. Northbound Tri-State right at I-290. Uh, that crash has been moved to the exit ramp. It's also involving a semi with crews on the scene. And it has the expressway backed up to Cermak Road Toll Plaza. So uh, big delays there. Uh, those are our two main issues. If you're coming in on the Ryan or I-57, it looks like normal traffic volume there. Same for DeSable Lakeshore Drive. Weather today, sunshine, but cold temperatures, a high of 34. Right now it's clear and 23 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 82. Right now it's clear and 56. In sports, Bulls were off last night. Suns played. They lost to the Warriors 123-112. Blackhawks were off. The Coyotes were off as well. Blackhawks host the Bruins tonight, 7 p.m. at the United Center. The Coyotes host the Flames down in Phoenix tonight. Bears added four new players via free agency yesterday. Two linebackers highlighted by Tremaine Edmonds. 25 to go. Yes, and they also added a defensive lineman and an offensive guard. Uh, So we'll see what they do today. And lastly, the first four tips off tonight uh, from Dayton, Ohio. Southeast Missouri State versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the 16-seed matchup. The 11-seed matchup is Pitt versus Mississippi State. Chief. By the way, as our omniscient executive producer, whatever button you hit, much better. Feedback is already pouring in. Well, yeah, someone uh, pressed a button that was not supposed to be pressed, and of course uh, no one caught it, and I saw it was pressed, and I unpressed it. So there you go. That's why you're the executive producer. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Genius. I mean, it's, hey, this doesn't look like it's been pressed before. That <laughs> it, it always works, right? How Whenever you see something wrong, like with your TV or anything, you like start pressing buttons, you have no idea what they are. My kids are really good at uh, technology. One year... My son Joseph uh, flipped the screen on me, and I'm like, how did he do that? He's only two years old. 
but he hit some hot key. Oh, God. He rotated it, so I had to look at my laptop. I had to put it on a like a book. I had to sit on the desk like a book, and I was typing sideways, trying to figure out how to untwist the screen. Yeah, Liv, uh, my daughter, did something similar the other day. She synced my phone to the TV, which I've, which was actually a, a valuable thing to learn that that I could do that uh, pretty easily. Uh, but yeah, well, so, yeah, it took it took me like two hours to figure out how to do that with my phone. Exactly, it would have taken me two hours to do it. She was just she pressed a couple buttons, boom, my phone was synced to the Did TV. She, she was randomly <laughs> randomly pressing buttons or what? Yeah, she like got a hold of my phone, was randomly pressing buttons, and uh, you know they're they're tech native kids, so they're like geniuses already with phones and stuff. It's amazing. How does she get along with Venkman? Are they are they best buddies? Um, yeah, they they like each other a lot. Of course, he competes for attention. So he like tries to get in between her and us sometimes, but but yeah, they like each other. Okay. <laughs> the uh, it's uh, I mean my my uh, Audrey's new poodle boy. She loves my my. There's a lot of mats around here. My nephew man has two little girls and boy, she the poodle just loves him. And the baby cries. She's she's panicking like we got you got to do something. She's crying. I mean it's uh you know? some some well the f- female dogs. I mean more or more sometimes more like that than the males, but. Anyhow, Maddie's got a great group that he that he hangs with. He's he's hanging with no matter what sickness and health. But uh, it's a good gang. Hey, uh, on this, uh, I have to ask you, Hal, because this I, I see the issue with this bank is the more I read about it, it it's really not something that that normally happens. And I think uh, it probably behooves us us, even though we're not on the Fed or anything, to try and take this one apart. And say in this world of all you need is a is a tweet and everybody runs to the bank. I mean, is this something? What, what what's your number? You know, I'd love Manny's opinion too. What's your number that any any bank on any given day could handle in terms of people taking money out unexpectedly? I'm going to say on any on your worst worst day, uh, on your biggest day, and on the trading floor, I have visions of Christmas and people coming out of the Harris Bank. Everybody with a stack of hundreds and giving it to clerks and everybody. And you, and you, I'm going to say at Harris, that's the biggest movement of cash, cash I've ever seen, and never will see again in my life because there's no trading floors anymore. But I used to get, and I was not anywhere near a big player. I'd, I'd get two grand to spread around. I see, I saw guys getting ten and fifteen and twenty. I mean, the cash, I don't, they must have had a Brinks truck just for that Harris Bank branch in the Board of Trade building. But I'm, on a normal day, i got to believe it's never more than half a percent, is it? Maybe on a payroll day it might be 1% or something? And the idea that these guys had a 40% movement in the first two hours of one day, I don't think any bank could handle probably 5 or 6%, can you? Oh, no, especially uh, Silicon Valley Bank. I mean, the depositors were overwhelmingly very wealthy individuals or very large corporations. So, you know, one or two of those guys pulling their money out of the, you know, transferring the money out of SVB into some, you know, uh, JP Morgan or, or Chase, I think the bank's done. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, uh, some of them have uh, had accounts of like $480 billion. Well, a lot of that was they compensating, wasn't it all, a lot of that was compensating balances, right? Well, I'm not sure, but they had these huge, massive uh, deposits at this bank, and if they transfer that overnight because they fear the bank is going to fail, then I think that I think that well, alone there, there was will a list somewhere. Panic. Somebody sent me one here, and it was a list of uh, Roku had twenty percent of their cash yeah. in the place. Would they were what had forty yeah. million or something? Yeah, yeah. Roku. Nef- I think Netflix. Roku. Yeah, 
That's what I think Netflix had. I think Netflix had an account worth four hundred million plus. That's that's a that's a lot of scratch uh, Yeah, but you know it's it's interesting now. The, the, one of the small banks that um, that I I do business with, uh, Lakeside here in Chicago. I know most of the people. It's well, you go in there, you have your own banker. They know your name, so it's it's pretty neat. Uh, they used to advertise on the show uh, years and years ago. Anyway, those guys, if if you drop a mill on them. They'll they'll find three other places to put two fifty a piece. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and our RBC, if you want here, if you if you drop you know three million dollars cash on PTI, well, you're 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 SIPIC. I mean, if, if you buy a bunch of stock with it, I mean, the stock is yours. I mean, they, so if something happened to the, the firm, you're going to get your stock, okay? But if it's cash, this, the SIPIC is the same thing. It's two fifty. And, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, when I was like 10 years old, I'd walk into the bank with my mom, and I was just a little kid, and I'd, I always read that sign that deposits were insured up to $100,000. And I asked my mom about it, she told me what it meant, and I'm like, well, mom, suppose somebody had a million dollars. Are they going to put all their money in one account? Well, that's and the thing. Go, that's why what, would they do that? That's what I'm saying. That's why yeah. the people have always have always been saved. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean Pullman, I, you know, if Robin was on, she could, she could know more about this, but Pullman had lines of credit because uh, Kellogg was was part of Pullman at the time, and they were doing they were doing stuff import export bank, and and they were actually getting the loans for people to build refineries in like Saudi Arabia and stuff because you know they couldn't those guys couldn't get the loans, but they were it all came through Pullman, and Robin was a genius at all this stuff, and the, the, the treasurer uh, John Kelly, terrific guy, real bright dude. I mean, they they did all the finances, so you had you had maybe ten banks in your line of credit. But you only really use one or two of them. Then you had a bank you used for payroll, and you kind of you kind of spread that stuff around. But if if you had a if you had a line of credit of of ten mil, even if you never used it, you probably had. And she'd know the exact numbers. I'm going to say you had to keep a half a million in the bank. Yeah. And and they didn't pay. In those days, you couldn't pay. That was that was back when there really was an M one. Those are demand deposits. You didn't get paid a dime. So when interest rates were like eight percent, and you had a half a million someplace earning nothing, it was real money, you know, to yeah. you, to keep it there. But if you wanted the compensating balance, so a lot of the that's that's one thing. I I mean, I would like to. I mean, if you know more than me on this, which you probably do, Hal. So you know what seems weird about this bank? They seem to cross the water back and forth. Maybe they had some kind of a bridge in terms of a holding company. They seem to have went out and raised money for these people, so they really acted as an investment bank, and then they made people keep the money that they raised for them in their bank. I don't know that you can do that. I mean, that the that the commercial and the investment side can have caveats one to the other. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I I know that. I mean, City City Group owns what Smith Barney and Citibank. I I don't know that that Smith Barney can. Raise money for you. I know they can. It's an investment bank or investments a brokerage firm. So I don't know that you can tie you having to leave that deposit at Citibank because City because Smith Barney raised you money. I I don't know that you can do that contractually. You might with a wink and a nod say, by the way, we got a pretty good bank here. You could use them. I, I get that part, but it seems like there were a lot of, for lack of a better better term, compensating balances where if people took this money out. A lot of them lost their, their not just the loan agreements, but some of the financing agreement. It seems a little too tight, doesn't it, Al? To, you? to me, it does. Well, I think anytime government starts issuing regulations, they're just speed bumps, and people figure out ways to get around those speed bumps. They'll drive around them, uh, or they hit them full speed and, and uh, ruin their suspension. 
But well, if you look at uh, Silicon Valley Bank, 40, they were 40%, they had 40% of their assets were long dated treasuries and mortgage backed securities. And the rest of it, most of the rest of it was, you know, new tech and, like you said, venture capitalist investments. And uh, both of those are an artifact of the Fed's. I, I, you know, I thought 2008, 2009 was historic monetary policy. But in the last five years, I mean, we ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, the last five years, it was it's nuts how much the Fed intervened in markets. Oh, yeah. It's well, crazy how, how much the, the federal government increases debt by. And it was only possible by the Fed printing, what, $6 trillion in new money? Uh, yeah. Well, and, and so, you, I mean, if, you, if you watch the TV today or listen, I hesitate to say you have to watch it, or, or even... Uh, uh, finance radio, not us. You, you're gonna. You, I bet you'll hear the term shrilly from from 50 people today. That the Fed caused this by raising rates. No, they didn't. They caused it by by, by lowering them too low. By having them at negative. Yeah. Real rates for what 20, 10, almost 20 years. I had on my screen right. This is a 20 year story. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a 20 year. It, it really started in 2000. Right, it's more like a twenty-three, yeah. and then, oh, and, yeah. then and then it, it intensified in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and then it really came, came home to fruition during COVID. And See, it, Tom, I don't know if you heard this theory, but if you keep interest rates really, really low, make credit really cheap for the rich and powerful, and you print a bunch of money to do that, there's not going to be any inflation. You can do that forever. Well, You've never heard that theory which, before. Well, yeah, I, I have. I have uh, two things. Well, I remember a lot about. My classes and I used, whenever we talked, I'd, I'd run over and, and and listen. And I read a lot of his pamphlets. A lot, of, a lot of most most amazing things about Milton Friedman is if you read some of his pamphlets about individual areas that, that took place. When he would give you historical examples because he did all his research. Remember one? I don't know where the hell it is, and we can even find it anymore. You know, it had to do with a a province in India or someplace or Pakistan that actually had a long period, when I say long period, 10, 20 year period of incredible growth with a, with deflation. With, I mean, they didn't, they, prices went down and actually there was a, a, a similar period of time here after the Civil War where, where the government dragged the greenbacks out of the economy. So you actually had deflation, but you had all kinds of productivity increases. You had, you had, you had real G, GNP or GDP went straight up, even though Nominally, it went down because you, you, you were in a period of deflation. So, one does not one helps out one group of people and, and not the other. But so, but his point was, you have to be monitor inflation tremendously because the first fruits of it feel so good. I think he said it's it's. I think he said it's it's like your first beer, or your first glass of wine. Yeah, and it, it feels good. So you want another one, and you want another. But, in a in a truly market system. Um, where people are free to engage in whatever transactions they want to engage in, whether it's speech, goods, or services. In a truly free market system, the the what you're going to get is lower and lower prices. You're going to get increased competition. People are going to are going to be free to enter the market, and when they enter that market, they're going to pull prices down. So in a free in a truly free market system, you you see. Prices coming down, but you but you need, and that's not what we have today. That is exactly the opposite of what right, we have. Right, but but today. you need you you do need to maintain the. I think I believe you. Maybe you might actually disagree. 
I believe you, you need to maintain the pace of money growth equal to the growth in the economy so you don't have those external either up or down on the prices. Well, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're arguing that money is the function of a central bank and that's the reality of the system, I'm going to be pragmatic and I'm going to agree with you. But I don't think we need a central bank well, you can't to have, create that money. You can't, have, you can't have a gold system where the, the, the supply of the money, meaning gold, is totally dependent on how the miners did that year. I mean, it, that doesn't work either. Well, you, but what you can have is you can have something that can't be inflated. Well, maybe you, it's a basket, well, of stuff. If, if, or maybe if, it's just a—it's a competition of currencies, it, right? It, it's a well, but if 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 we sent, I can't imagine Matt Weber being a prospector. He's not big on picks. He's not big on shovels. Matty, I can't see you as a prospector. No. Um, but say maybe he would be fun for a week. So say I'd he took his buddy Thomas and they went out somewhere, and uh, out of the luck of the draw, uh, they're 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 out. They're out taking a leak from the campfire, and all of a sudden somebody pees on something that says, "Hey, this is this is yellow." <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, they find some vein of gold nobody knew was there, and we double the gold supply. Okay, all it's going to do is create inflation, right? Well, you, you just it, double you know, the money would, supply. But, but prices would prices would adjust. They double, right? They, they would adjust. I mean, gold is a commodity. Yeah. So prices would would adjust. Yeah, that'd be like the Fed printing some money. But I think that is an unli- unlikely scenario. Right, but I'm saying it. But it, it does. You might you might find a situation where your gold supply increased five percent one year and one percent the next. I mean, you can't. In other words, that's a sloppy way of doing it too. I mean, well, I, I think I think what would happen is, um, you know, maybe people, um, you know, maybe people, you know, have gold. They deposit their gold in a bank, in a free bank, not a regulated bank, but a free bank, where the the bank is backed by. It's long the long term securities that it issues. It can't. It's not going to issue a thirty year mortgage without a thirty year CD. In that system, the bank that does the best. It's open to everybody. There's anybody can be a banker. Anybody can set up their own bank. And over the long run, I think that would be a better system than what we, what we have. We don't. And you, know, you would uh, see prices coming. Down. Actually, hell, right now, and this is I might be a little old with this. But I was in talks to a bunch of people a few years ago because some people from out of the country wanted me to a, either start a bank for them or to find one. And of course, Kathy. Uh, what happened to Kathy? Yeah, she's she was working so much odd hours for her place because they were going through. A, uh, she still works for Northern Trust, but she was okay. working. And then then for COVID, she stayed in because then her sister, somebody was sick. So basically, she disappeared for three, four years. I just heard from her recently. She's doing okay. Kathy's terrific, and uh, yeah. But she she found uh, a guy, a guy, and I would, we actually had a couple of uh, breakfasts with him and so forth. Right now, you and I, uh, we'd have to need some of Matt Weber's money. I'm going to say two, two and a half mil. I'll get you a bank, and we'll make some money. Yeah, but the problem with that is. Um, we can't operate. It, it won't be operating in a free banking. True. Sure, well, I mean, we. I mean, we we would. We, we won't have. Tra- we won't have. We'll have disadvantages. We won't have cost advantages that the J.P. Morgans have. Uh, we won't. Hell, ha- there was a bank on the south side, Beverly Bank, was in Beverly. Duh. Uh, they were there forever. They got bought by. I don't know who. Did, who are the guys with the really almost like a lime green color? Somebody from New York. I don't know who they are. They got bought by those guys. Plus, the place looked ugly as hell as they painted it this new color. Uh, the people who worked there didn't like the new management. 
They went literally down the street, opened up a storefront the size of Manny's studio over there, and uh, they plus the idiots, <laughs> the guys who bought the bank, they didn't even they didn't buy the the name. They 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 just you know it was you know New York Bank or somebody bought it and they put the sign New York Bank up. They didn't tie <laughs> up they didn't tie up the Beverly Bank name like a bunch of idiots. So down, these guys open up a storefront with like four or five of the employees that everybody liked at the old place. I'm going to say maybe a million and a half, two million bucks. And they just kept people come in, deposits, checks, and, and just gave their money probably to another bank and get, or the treasury or somebody. But they made a little bit of dough. When in, when in three, four years, they built another huge building a mile away, and now they're going, they're going guns. I mean, that is awesome. That's yeah. a great story. You, 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 can, you can start a bank if you want right I, now. I, th- I think, I think you, that would happen in the absence of the cartel that is the Federal Reserve System. I, I think, I think it still can happen. It still can happen. But, right? I, th- but I think it's more likely. Well, and- Illinois, Illinois is very, compared to other states, it's real easy to have a small bank here. Uh, that's cool, yeah. It's not the case like in other states where... No, no. Uh, yeah. Where, like, during the 1800s, uh, in some states, uh, you had to have a, a license from the government, and you could only open up a bank in like a county. And then it had the same thing at the state level too. So even in the, the 1800s, was not a free banking system. Well, I mean, you might do you some had, mortgages. You had, get, you had to get a charter from the state or the uh, the federal government. Well, you might do some mortgages, but you're not gonna you're not gonna hold the mortgage. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. sell it. But I mean, yeah. but this stuff could happen. I mean, honestly, if you look at one of the most you know, amazing classes I ever took. Boy, you had, to, you had to really be a. We we sat at this big, huge, essentially huge table. It wasn't even a class. It was two quarters: the history of economic thought, and it had to do with when the like, how, why did bank why why do you need, in my opinion, why do you need a central bank? Well, you can't have. There were there were agrarian banks. Okay, now what's the problem with agrarian agrarian bank? It's all timing. Every farmer wants to borrow money in March and April for seed and for fertilizer, right? And so you're, you're, you're strapped to the limit on, on lending people dough. And all of a sudden... Yeah, you the, got, you the, got too many eggs in one basket now. Yeah, then, then, then the, the harvest comes in, and all of a sudden in October, November, December, you got a massive deposit load, you don't have any loans, you're not making any money, and you're paying people interest. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it just didn't work. But, uh, so yeah. what, the, what, the, what the central bank is supposed to do is kind of s- smooth over all those sort of different, on a national level, you can, you can deal with that. You can get reserves to places that need it in the spring, and then those guys then will have a place to turn around, and, and they can deposit money into some other place in November where they actually can get some interest. So at least they're breaking even with their depositors. So I mean, there, there's a lot. But, but then when you start adding, I mean, listen, look, look at the idiots that, that talk to Powell from the Congress. What are you doing about, uh, uh, you know, uh, black people's salaries? Or what are you doing about... Climate control, or what are you doing about the answer? Is nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, supposed- that's, see, that's, I think that's a lot of the problem with yeah. uh, SV Bank, and a lot of the problem with corporate America. They're, they're, I mean, you can, you can afford to do that kind of thing when the Fed has created an asset bubble and the economy is juiced and we're, we're quote unquote growing. You can do that then, but when the Fed shrinks the money supply and raises interest rates, all that stuff falls apart. Well, and th- those are the malinvestments, malinvestments I'm talking well, about. Yeah. Well, yeah. We only got a couple. Of, can you, um, you know, every, everybody who looks at, at inflation has their own view. And obviously, I think right now I wouldn't want to be a pork producer because pork's cheaper than it was before COVID. 
So those guys, either they're, they're, they're killing every pig they can or whatever, but there's areas where you see some gas come down. You see other areas where stuff has come down. But by, by and large, across the board, I see the price level exactly where you and I would have predicted it. I think stuff's up 35% in, in two and a half, three years. Maybe you see the, the little thing of powdered mashed potatoes. It was a buck. Now it's a buck 35. I mean, you, you can see cars are up 35%. How, if the, if the Fed, say, there, you know, no more bank panics, nothing, do you think that they can effectively, or should they combat that, or should they just stop the growth of inflation right here? I, I don't know how, what they have to do to drag it down to where it, quote, was. I don't do you think they could even do that if they wanted to? I don't think they're capable of doing it. I, I just don't think uh, a group of people sitting around a table can fix things. Sometimes there's no solutions. And the more they try to fix things, the more they bail out depositors that are very wealthy, the more moral hazard. I mean, why would somebody have deposits in one account that exceed 250000 Because they know they're going to get bailed out. So there's all kinds of moral hazard racked through the system. Well, the numbers too, the numbers too small. Well, the numbers too small. I mean, there's got to be how many how many com- companies in this country have a payroll over 250 grand. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. So the numbers too small. I mean, you can't have every week your payroll at risk. You know, yeah. I don't think. But I, I don't. Th- I don't think they can. I don't think they can fix it. Honestly, I don't think these are problems that individual planners can fix. We, the Soviet Union proved. Central planning doesn't work. And the more they do, the more uh, deadweight loss they create, the more inefficiencies they create, the more red tape that we have to comply with. And, and that, that stuff's costly. But I, I, so I think was, the, more they, the, the more they do, the more expensive it gets to just operate. Well, well, I'm so all, I don't think there's anything they can do. Well, I'm all, I'm going to, by the way, SP Futures are up 42. We're putting a whip to it. Uh, I'm going to say, Hal, that as much criticism as I give them on their policy, I'm going to say, if I think back over the last God knows how many years, 45 years, I'm going to say that their ability to sense a bank has trouble and move it into some other bank without anybody being hurt, I think they've been exemplary at that. But that's been a totally different animal but, than this one. But this the, is a different the animal. Why ha- but the reason why they're having to do that is because of what they did 10, the previous 10 years. Eh, some that's of them, why they have to do some that. Some people just, just have... Some people just give a bad loan and they just have trouble. I mean, or too, whatever. I mean, anyway, we'll, we'll, I, we'll discuss this. But a, lo- a lot of these, a lot of these issues, though, would not be present if the Fed wasn't doing I, what it's been I, doing. I, I don't disagree with that. But by the way, I think we can have. We're not going to solve this by next Tuesday. I bet we can continue this. What do you think? Oh yeah, I can go another two hours. Okay, SP Futures <laughs> up forty six. Matt, we got to go in the back of his class. You got a tomato, I'll have some spitballs. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. 
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.